HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, March 31st, 2015. We'll be talking about beer education and fine dining in New York City. We've got some great familiar faces here. Augie Carton from Carton Brewing, Hello. John LaPolia from Bitter and Esther's, Hi. and Alex Pfaffenbach from the Nomad Restaurant. Good afternoon. Uh, Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, suppliers of world-class ales and lagers. And we'll be tweeting live today at beer underscore sessions. Tweet your questions to Maggie. One quick note. Um, I know some listeners as far as England, like Garen uh, Becker, you guys have inquired. There was a big fire in the East Village, and uh, Jimmy's number 43 is right in the epicenter. We are still closed. Um, we're waiting on the city to reopen uh, as far as we know, the building's fine, but right now we are currently closed. So fingers crossed and check out our gift certificate link, uh, jimmysnumber43.com slash store slash, and um, send us some love. All right? So here we are back on Heritage Radio Network. We've been talking about uh, some cool things for a while. Augie's been on. We, we talked about his duck and decoy uh, at the 11 Madison Park, which is kind of like fine dining and beer. And, uh, and from that, I think Maggie was inspired and brought Alex and some of the Nomad restaurant crew to John's uh, Bitter and Esters to do some home brewing. Yep. So why don't you guys tell us like how that came together and uh, what the experience was like. So Maggie's been helping me do education at the Nomad for quite a while, probably about nine months now, and it's been incredible. And she had this idea that you know we wanted to teach about beer through the actual process of making it itself. So she told me about Bitter and Esters and said we got to get down there and meet with John and um, talked it over, and we brought a crew of 15, 16 yeah. in yeah. and made a beer with them for our holiday party. It was awesome. Yeah, brown ale, right, with yeah. cranberries. <laughs> yeah. Cranberries and kefir lime leaf. Yeah, that's right. I had kefir lime. I forgot about that. Yeah. That, that beer was delicious. <laughs> it was It was yeah. really good. It actually came out really good. Yeah, it came out fantastic. It was, it was a blast. So we, we brought it up to the staff that we were going to do this education opportunity off-site, um, and it's usually typically pretty difficult to get anyone to attend an educational 
um, opportunity that's not at the Nomad. Um, so we had a meeting before, discussed some potential uh, beers that we we're going to make and threw it out there to see what people wanted to name it. And then we followed up and went to Bitter Nesters and brewed. Yep. And um, we had a good turnout, like 15 to 20 people. And all the way in Brooklyn, too. All was, the yeah, way. They, they all came all out to Brooklyn. That was, that was the hard part. But, so, uh, John, when you do these, you're doing classes all the time, uh-huh. you know, what are some of the things that you're, you're emphasizing with newbies? Well, this is specific. Uh, they really wanted to have education as far as the servers knowing more about beer styles. And they wanted to brew a beer as well. So we're uh, brew on premises, which means that you can come and brew a beer at the store. And uh, so I actually set it up so that there was a tasting. I, I got several different styles of uh, commercial beers. And I, I spoke to them about why these beers tasted the way they did, what ingredients actually influenced them. I talked about the malt, I talked about the hops, talked about the different yeasts. I, I had a Belgian style so they can tell you know how yeast can really affect a beer. And during the whole thing, we, uh, we brewed a beer at the same time. Maggie came early. And uh, helped me. Uh, she's a great uh, brewing partner. And then uh, the rest of the staff came a little bit later uh, towards the end because it was a good four-and-a-half-hour process, <laughs> and they didn't want to be there the whole time. You know, through the notes on Alex from uh, the Nomad. <laughs> and these are like 11 Madison Park, the Nomad restaurant. These are like very like fine dining, yeah, fancy places. Big time. But Maggie's notes today, Alan Fafenbach, Maggie's boss. Nomad Dining Room Manager, and supports Maggie in whatever endeavor she may think of at the Nomad. <laughs> Which I appreciate. So what is it about our Maggie? That's what I try to do. Um, I think it's cool how she's combined um, what she's studying at NYU to and applying it to um, how we source food and how we do, handle local breweries and everything at the Nomad. And she's sort of combining the two, and she's really passionate about it, and she wants to teach everyone what she's learning and what she's discovered, which I think is amazing. I think it's a great idea, especially for beer servers or anyone that's uh, in the beer industry. The, the beer is changing so much in so many local breweries, and there's so many different ingredients being used in different styles. And then the server is like, I don't know, you know. I, and it's not, it's, it's nothing wrong with them. It's just it's so much happening that some sort of education is important, not just for the uh, people serving, but also for the people drinking. I think that we're going to find that we need a lot more beer education for people's palates to get used to and to understand what they're doing. So we do a lot of that at the store. Augie, you know, as a brewer, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of dinners and events. Uh, true, true. Yeah. I, I do. Um, what I'm most excited about in education and when I talk to the, the I guess, somewhere in the process is going to be the end. There's got to be a term in the business for what restaurants are. But um, what I like is more and more people taking – proper service seriously like it, you can always draw the lines between when america came around to dining versus eating when america came around to wine beyond you know red or white then it turned into grapes then it turned into regions and the same's going on with craft beer but there was a time where white was served cold and red wasn't and then you learn that there were wines that thrived at 30 at 40 at 50 at 60 at 70 and I'm seeing that happen. Uh, Turst is a great example here. I know you guys take your temperatures pretty seriously. I know the, the Chicharone Cicerone program pays a lot of attention to service as well. And for me, that that's where I'm seeing you know, fine dining or finer dining when they dip their hands in a craft beer ticket. These, these are the people that aren't into the I've got 100 taps, I'm sure 30 or fresh approach. 
but people that took the I've got twelve well curated beers. That's a, a third. A third but, might be fresh. But yeah. you know, yeah. But but the, and you know, let's face it, some are cool. Right? Yeah. There's some that are fun to be. Oh my God, we've had that on for two years now. Right. But um, but largely you want fresher beer, and um, and that's what I like to see from from that group, the fine dining group, when they do delve, especially. I remember getting an email, you know, the, the monthly email or quarterly email when EMP announced a big beer program. And I had other restaurateurs around me in New Jersey going, what are they doing? It's, you know, that's not fine. And I was like, it is when you're there. And, and that respect for that part of beer is what I think intrigues me most as a beer maker. Because, you know, let's face it, none of my beers taste good at 38. I make all my beers largely for their aromatic impact more than their flavor impact. So you're not really getting aromas off my beers when they come out of your standard fridge. Um, so a place that knows that and cares about that is who I want serving my beers. So temperature is important. Uh, what are you guys doing for a beer program, Alex? I mean, I've, I've had cocktails at your place. I've been to a beer class. I'm sure you sell a lot of wine. You know, why are you here talking about beer from the Nomad? So coming up against, or not coming up against, but being in support of a world-class beer program, or a world-class wine program and a world-class cocktail program, um, a bar program that won outstanding uh, bar program from James Beard this year. Leo. Uh, <laughs> Leo Robichek. The, the, the idea is that the entire beverage menu is going to make sense. So you can't have world-class cocktails and world-class wine without world-class beer. Um, and now beer is never going to make the most money. Um, it's, you know, it's not going to satisfy the highest rollers. But if you're serving um, you know, some of the best beers in the world – it's the beverage menu makes sense. It needs to make sense from front to back. If you don't have world class beer, then it takes away from the provenance of the beverage menu as the whole. I think the whole. last time you were on, we had uh, Yepe from Evil Twin, and you guys made a beer together. Mm-hmm. What, what beer was that? We made the uh, No Matter Vice with him. So um, the first beer guy at the Nomad when we opened um, made a beer with him called the No Matter Vit, and it was just a wit, uh, Belgian style wit beer. In a 22-ounce bottle. It was pretty good. Um, and we wanted to follow that with something that was I more in the style of beer that I like to drink and probably more in the style of beer that would fit our food. So something light and crisp with a little bit of uh, acidity to it to match our food. Um, and we did a Berliner Weiss in a can. And um, it was pretty cool. So it's, it's light. It's uh, citric. Matches a lot of um, the acidity in our food. And we built a, a custom service piece with Black Point Woodworking in Jersey, um, a wooden board that was designed to hold the can of beer along with two uh, glass decanters on either side holding uh, a syrup. So we make a raspberry syrup and a... Um, Woodruff? Yeah. <laughs> what do you charge? No. For? I'm, I'm trying to get a into basil this. basil fennel syrup. Oh, basil fennel. <laughs> you guys are representing <laughs> fine dining, but I, I want to break into that a little bit. So what do you charge for that? So it's $10, um, $10 for the can of beer along with the two homemade syrups, uh, sort of like a nod to traditional Berliner Weisses of old. And That's then, what I love about beer is that you can go super hardcore, super good quality, and not really, you know, it, it's not you're not going to do a hundred bucks. You know, it's ten bucks. Well, is, is the gig you you assemble it a la yeah yeah a la Berlin at your own table? Absolutely. So one of the things that when we were trying to figure this out, uh, Yebe was like, you know, you go to Berlin, you order Berliner Weiss, and it comes with the syrup already in it, packaged. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to sort of we wanted to go back to the traditional way of 
giving them the option of do you want an herbal syrup or do you want a raspberry syrup or, or yeah. a sweet fruit syrup? Is that do you guys do that service at both restaurants, Nomad mm-hmm. and Nomad Bar? Yes, right on. Yeah, very cool. I'm gonna hey, Augie, what are we drinking here? By the way, it's delicious. It's oh, amazing. this is hot pun. So. Uh, I knew Jimmy was having a hard week. I figured the best I could do for him was bring the last three things out of tank so it'd be as fresh as possible. <laughs> uh, so you have, I brought three beers, all three literally the last things we took out. This is Hop Pun. This is a just a pretty straightforward pale, but I'm in love with the kind of new American hops. So it's a whole bunch of experimentals that don't have names yet, some mosaic. And it's we actually use a yeast people tend to hate as kind of a show-off move. What, what yeast is but, that? Um, it's uh, uh, Ringwood. So People really, do hate it. It's yeah, diacetyl, it's, it's, they always but, say. Yeah, well, yeah. No diacetyl here, but no, no, all those fruity esters, all. all those fruity it's esters, fantastic. if you treat it right. So those fruits build onto the fruits that are in the hops, and it's just meant to be fruity pale. We do it about six months a year, starting in April, gets you through summer, and then we switch over to a rye pale. The next one up, I thought, because you guys are being all cookie today, I would do a cookie <laughs> beer. Uh, this is a collaboration we did. These are my buddies. That's right. That's why we do it. <laughs> we did a collaboration with Against the Grain out in Kentucky there, Smokehouse. And in a very drunken conversation with those guys one day, they explained to me that when they want to add a wrinkle to their beer, they'll smoke an ingredient, and that they had smoked hops, and they had smoked malts, and they had smoked salt for a goza, and they had smoked... And I had made the base for this beer for our anniversary. It's a double version of our boat beer, and we changed the hops to jade and um, to Pacific jade and uh, a, a blend pellet called Zythos. And it ended up the the fruity citric nature of um, boat beer became pineapple, and I liked it. I thought it was cool. It was just in my head, but it, it kind of did what it was supposed to do. So no reason to do it again. Then I was having the discussion with the guys from Against the Grain, and they said they smoke anything. I was like, "Could you smoke pineapples?" So they said yes. <laughs> that started a project where we made a double boat called SS Kentucky with smoked. We actually smoked the malts on peach wood on their cold smoker, and we roasted the pineapples directly on the wood. Yeah, I, I can wow. taste the smoke. Yeah. It's really yeah. nice. So, so, yeah, like I said, it's meant to be just, it's like all our beers, right? It's just a nudge in the direction. It was already pineapple And this is great, you know, because this is kind of like the kind of beers I want to drink in fine dining. Fancy place. So let's go back. So, Alex, to me, the Nomad has always seemed like kind of imposing, and I would be afraid to just walk in. Is that the case? And also, is the Nomad Bar more welcoming? So I, you know, it's it's tough to say because when you walk in, it's a really dark lobby, and then you, you know, you have this really big, open, noisy room, and then on the left, it's this like really gilded, almost um, nice, fancy dining room, and it can be pretty intimidating. But what I like to think about how our service is: the minute you sit down at a table, you're greeted by this really friendly person, and they're really, really ready to guide you through the massive tomes of beverage menus that you get when you sit down because we're, we're a very beverage-focused restaurant. Um, so I think that, like, the the people... So we should go there afterwards, right? Yeah, right? You guys want to go there tonight? I, I Who's would definitely say that I've, I've never left there not deep in my cups. <laughs> It's. I mean, it, it's, so it's all about the What's people. What's that expression on? <laughs> deep in my cups. I like that. Cheers to that one. That, I bet that's going to be a new beer that you'll make soon too. Deep, deep in, in my your cups. cups. It's coming. There's no way Battle lets me do that. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I walked in the bar once, and you, your your hostess greeted me, and next thing you know, I was standing at the bar with my two. Actually, the, the brewers from uh, Big Alice were with me, and uh, we had a great time. We sent out a couple different cocktails, and uh, it was kind of boisterous. It wasn't what I expected, but it was great. You thought more hoity-toity? That- I, I just don't know, and I, I, I want to know more about you know that ethos. But also, like, who works here? Like, how did you start running? You're a manager for a very fine dining bar and restaurant. 
How'd you get that job? So, well, it's... Because <laughs> there's people that want to come to New York City and take your job, you know? I was... Um, so I graduated from college, and my friends were opening this restaurant upstate New York in Binghamton, where I went to school, and it was, they were totally doing it wrong, and I had no idea what I was doing. I'd been a busboy when I was, like, 15, and served, and done, all, done everything in the restaurant, and my friends were totally tanking this restaurant that I thought would be really cool, so I jumped in and was going to help them for a summer. I ended up being a partner for three years in it, or two and a half years and then I moved to New York and worked for Junipor at Tribeca Grill and their bar manager left and I had no experience so like you should you should do that when was that? Um, 2011 Oh, I would have had 2011, 2012. That wine list was awesome. Well, so the wine, the wine, wine, uh, wine I there think we're is going to Tribeca Grill tonight. <laughs> the wine list there is insane. There's a lot of great places. In New yeah, York but City. once he started yeah. shipping it to Cortona, it, it quickly changed. But when it was all still held at Tribeca, you could find some. Great well, wine, wine at uh, Myriad is t- is owned by uh, David Gordon there, and then the bar, liquor, beer is its own entity and that's sort of not an afterthought but not the most important thing so they gave me the liquor cocktail menu and beer menu and the wine was sort of right owned by the wine department which was totally separate so you could from explore me. the dance so much you know adult supervision yeah pretty much it was a lot of fun i made a lot of cocktails but w- the biggest influence on me was uh the somali head somali at the time um steve morgan who ended up being uh somali at alinea for a while and now he just Opened a so restaurant a- in Chicago. After the show, we go over to the Nomad Bar. What beer on draft should I drink tonight? Firestone Pivo. Nice, man. That's a <laughs> wow. good one. All right. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We're back in a few minutes. We're talking fine dining and beer on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. And this is Daphne and Apollo by Odetta Hartman on Beer Sessions. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, come out to Roberta's in Bushwick, and you can hang out. And It's more than pizza out here, but there's also good beer and cocktails, and, and it's a great menu. But we've got a very great group here tonight. Alex from The Nomad, John from Bitters and Esters, and Augie from Carton Brewing. Hello. This is kind of like our brain trust of uh, beer here. <laughs> you know, we've got service, educator, and uh, brewer. But what ties you guys together is you're not afraid to go deep and talk about beer. And Augie in particular, let's go back. back we're talking about fine dining. Duck and Decoy 11 Madison Park. You're like the the, the atypical brewer. Um, well, yeah. I, I kind of approach everything from the dissection of a flavor. So there's commonality to all flavor. I was talking to somebody recently about how much fun it would be to put a smoked wort into an already sour barrel once the... Brett was having its way with it, oxygenated a little, throw some dill in there, and essentially what you'd have put together is all the flavors of a corned beef and pickle from down <laughs> down on the Lower East Side. Um, and, what beer is that? We've not made it yet. It's just one. <laughs> it, it will happen. But, but let's just read from your can. Hold on. It says, SS Kentucky Imperial India Pale Ale with smoked 
pineapple, and that's what we're drinking. And yep. I'm on with, for me. It's always the test of do I like the beer. I'm on my <laughs> second, and I will be on my third. So thanks for bringing that in. My pleasure. I, I like to smoke pineapple. Uh, back in high school, I used to smoke uh, banana peels. I don't know if anyone ever did that. But. <laughs> let's only bugs. Let's body. jump back. So Alex from Nomad, we're talking about him, how he got started. You know, we can tell he's a serious beverage guy. And uh, but John at Bitters and Esters. So you hosted. The kind of the fine dining staff from from his restaurant. Uh, you know and what one, was it like? I mean, what what were these? Were they the first thing I noticed is they were all very good looking. I was I was surrounded by really good looking people because Maggie uh, was there. Because Maggie was there. Yeah, Maggie was the best looking of the bunch. But uh, yeah, that was cool. They were all really fun. Uh, they all really wanted to learn, and so you know, the worst thing is teaching to people who don't give a poop. Uh, so uh, they all cared, and I, and I like that about them. They were really, really a lot of fun. Alex, what other type of staff training? Because like, a lot of people don't realize what it takes to work in a fine dining restaurant. What other staff trainings do you have? Because obviously your staff, at least for they just they must want to learn, or you require them to learn, right? Well, we don't. We try to stay, at Nomad. We try to stay away from required uh, classes, but there's something almost. Every day, a couple times a week. Um, yesterday, they had Steve Olson in to do a Del Maguey mezcal tasting, and he tasted through everything in the line. And then um, last week, Alan Katz from New York Distilling came in uh, and did. He, they distilled gin in the bar with a group of staff, which was crazy to That's me. That's really so, cool. Yeah, our uh, bar manager Chris Louder is really, really into education. He's been bringing in all kinds of liquor professionals lately. So, you know, it's something that we try to do um, with beer as well, where we had uh, Yebe come in and do a talk, and the guys from Two Roads, and then Garrett came in from Brooklyn Brewery and did a talk about the pairing of the La Poulet Brooklyn Brewery beer that we make with them for our chicken pairing. Um, and we Has everybody it. had the chicken? <laughs> you gotta have the chicken. When you go, go there tonight. tonight. When you go tonight, get the chicken. <laughs> That's good. Chicken is your... Chicken is... So you've had you've had 11 Madison's Duck with me. Yes. Chicken is Nomad's Duck. It's unbelievable. It's it's the dish. Um, I meant the chicken. So what, 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 what I was there... So you're talking about service, right? So I, I never want to be... You know, I never want to be too dismissive of everything. But New York, New York is what it is. And in that part of town, at most of the restaurants, you're not... The, everybody thinks it's going to be crazy expensive because it's so good. But the difference in what you pay at that restaurant versus the one across the street, it's not that big a spread, depending on how you handle it. It's just the neighborhoods have their rates. So for me, if you're gonna if you're gonna burn money on a dinner check in New York, you gotta go to the place that gives you the most back for those dollars spent. And I'm obviously very close with these guys in these programs and, and then by extension the Danny Meyer group is in that same area. In that area you can find these great places that don't need to make you feel like they've earned your money by making you feel uncomfortable. They can earn your money by knowing what they're talking about and talking about it with you. So the first time I actually had any meal at Nomad, what, four or five years ago now, um, it was that chicken with that beer Garrett made. And it was awesome. And it was perfect. And these were guys, these were guys pushing me, because I'm as likely to drink wine as, as beer with dinner. And they were pushing me towards the beer because it was the right thing. So before you're put off by that notion, I would... There's plenty of places out there to find out what the place is really going to be like when you're in the seat. And these places are great because they're comfortable in the seat. It's about guiding right. the guests to what they are going to end up wanting, I guess. But you can yeah. also do it with cocktails, right? Leo, Leo's an old friend of mine because, God, 10 years ago, he was making drinks during the lunch shifts that used to exist at 11 Madison. And he was making his own tinctures. And I'm a geek. And I asked him what those were and he said they're tinctures I make for these cocktails and I was like you make your own tinctures and that took us literally I went there 10 times for lunch just to talk to Leo okay, why, why do you go I know you go to Love Madison Park what separates good fine dining from just uh, any other it's restaurant it's 100% service um, 
a lot of people can cook a good, a good meal. They're, you can get super geeky and get into the progression of a tasting menu and how well thought out it is A to B to C to D. That's all deep, geeky stuff. But as far as going out to dinner, this is New York City. So I would say most of the world's best chefs are here. Um, and they all do a great job. So what matters in the room is how the service is handled and what it is. My favorite story about that is first time I ever had dinner or lunch at the bar at Gramercy Tavern, I was a PA in New York making 100 bucks a day. It was restaurant week, so it was $19.99 for lunch. I went in. Got off very well with the bartender and made the joke that I wanted to make one with my steak, literally just looking for a reaction. And without missing a beat, he said, I don't know what that is, but if you describe the flavors to me, I'm sure the chef can whip you something up just like it. And to me, that was so well read, so well handled, and so perfect that I was now comfortable in a room that I shouldn't have been in because I couldn't afford it and wasn't dressed for it. And every chance I got, that's how I ended up at 11 Madison, and now that those guys split off and now they're nomad that's why I'm friends with everybody there because of that one bartender that one time and let's, t- let's tell us to go go way back let's tell us tell us the duck and decoy story oh well, that's not that far back that's uh, actually the last meal I had with my father sorry to be heavy but was that duck and it left a very lasting impression on me it's beautiful and it, it's possibly the perfect course and I take credit, and I think Daniel gives me credit for the fact that you can still get it on the bar menu, even though it's off the real menu and there's no bar menu anymore. But it's so what you did beautifully was- roasted duck, and they do a four, five spice on it, which is honey, lavender, Szechuan peppercorns, coriander, and cumin, and then they pair it to a fruit. So in the winter, it was figs. Now, Belgian triples, because of candy sugar and special bee, taste like figs. So we made an American triple for all those fig notes and then spiced it with those rubs, called it decoy. The bar serves it, and they, you know, I've had it, you've had it with me with the duck. What do you think? Does it pair well? I think it's great. I mean, I like the, I like the name, too, you know, well, duck and decoy. <laughs> That's not hard, though. They I like that it's duck. beer. <laughs> you know, and I, I drink a lot of wine, too, but, you know, I, I do like that you've talked so much about pairing food and beers and... For me, the time I went with you to 11 Madison Park was a real experience for me because I haven't really been in that in that setting as often. But that's that's a great example of being comfortable in a room. I'm lucky enough to know them, but if you commit to them, they commit to you. We walked in that room in T-shirts, bombed after this show, and they gave us a table and fed us very well as if we as if they'd planned to have a bunch of miscreants. Were they nice to me? They were Can't very nice to see. <laughs> like I said. Yes, they were. They're, they're fantastic. They were nice I'll tell you what. If you're, if you're visiting New York, you go to the Nomad. Where is the Nomad anyways? Nomad's on 28th Street and Broadway. Is there an address? 1170 Broadway. You walk into that place, the Nomad. You walk into the door and say, Oh, I heard about uh, Alex, the manager on Beer Sessions Radio. They will rush you to the bar and give you like three cocktails, right? <laughs> but they won't give you beer. So. And that's a problem. Promise from Jimmy, but that's why we're talking. Beer. I want, and one more thing I'm about going the beer. tonight. You know, you have a beer program, and where are you going with it? Like, you know, does will Augie come in and make a special beer for the Nomad, or not for a long time? I don't no. know any tanks. <laughs> um, we're working on something new with Yepe um, to do. You know, something that fits our food and something that fits our program and something that's going to be um, bright and bright acid and taste good and go down easy. Um, you know, so we're we're moving forward, and we're trying to focus the. We have two menus. We have a beer menu for everyone. Then we have a reserve menu for someone who might want to get a little bit deeper. Um, so we're just trying to focus everything and make sure that it makes sense with the food that we serve. And let's go back. So, so you, the, back to your staff. The whole reason this show came out was that right. <laughs> you, you took your staff to 
It was. Uh, it seems to be it was the, Maggie's idea. How would you describe Bitter and Esther's? Is and how, why don't you describe it, Alex? What is Bitter and Esther's? Is I'm it, curious to find out what you. Yeah. <laughs> what is this place in Brooklyn? Putting me on the spot. Um, it's it's a you know it's a homebrew store. But what's so amazing about it was you know I feel like servers in a restaurant can be so far from the process of making beer. And I think that when they get inside the process of making beer, they can understand the finished product a little bit better. So being able to walk into Bitter and Esters and handle all the grains um, and see, you know, the raw ingredients, that totally changes the game for them. So they can really, you know, it, it gives them vocabulary to help describe the finished product to the guest. And I think that was the biggest thing, that they could handle the grains and handle the hops and see how everything works. And that was, like, in, it's invaluable. That's that's part of what we kind of teach. A lot of times when we're done teaching a class, I'll, I'll say, so next time you have a beer, say thank you to your brewmaster because it's not, you know, it doesn't just come out of the taps. You know, it's something that people put a lot of love and a lot of work into, and it's... Uh, and it's so diverse. Uh, you guys had cranberries, right? It was a, a whole cranberry thing that they had a, a lot of fun now, with. How did you decide to make that beer? How did I decide to make the brown beer? The beer that you made with, with Alex. I didn't. I, no, Who decided cl- on that beer? Yeah. So we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a meeting, and we tossed out a couple ideas, and we wanted to make something that was seasonal and made sense and uh, you know, also fit the style of beer that we have on the list even though it wasn't going to make it to the menu and we wanted to do a brown ale with a little bit of acid to it and that would be food friendly uh, what was the name of it it was called sock full of cranberries, sock full of cranberries. yeah that, <laughs> because we put the cranberries into a muslin bag yeah and john you yeah. know you you're also you're brewing beer yourself as well as a home brewer yeah you came to new york city brewer's choice yep. what are some uh, styles of beer or recipes that you would call like your own that you would Say, come to my house, and I want you to try my. I have one right here, Jimmy. As a matter of fact. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. This is a, a porter. We'll, I, I thought this was the Carton Beer Show. Uh, well, no, we have another beer. What is it we're drinking <laughs> right yeah, now? What is by this the way, one? this one's called Gorp. So if you have a peanut allergy, stop drinking. Oh no! Um, this is a uh, good old raisins and peanuts trail mix. Um, it's just a porter that we we put peanuts and raisins and chocolate into, and try to go for you know. So sometimes. Anybody that, that cooks or drinks or eats, nostalgia's part of it, and nothing puts you more in a nostalgic space than aromatics. So basically, the, the idea was when I was a kid going for hikes and eating trail mix and coming home and having a kind of an anchor porter or something like that, and kind of that whole feeling at the end of those flavors, and we wanted to recreate those in a beer. It actually works really well. Thank yeah, you. I get it. So it's... Literally peanuts, raisins, and chocolate in a porter. And it's another one of our beers that upsets half the world because it's not a shandy that tastes exactly like peanut butter and chocolate and raisins, but more it's aromatically. Good, Thank the, you. The Thank nose you. right away is nice. And John, why don't you dissect this beer? Uh, I, I taste the peanuts. It tastes like a trail mix at the end. Yeah, it's mm. a porter. And I knew right away it was a porter. Uh, what yeast did you use on this? Uh, actually, with this one, we used Chico. Chico, it's, yeah. We wanted to yeah. be clean and out of the All way. Right. Um, I, I brought a, a porter as well, right on. Uh, but I used a, a Belgian Ardennes uh, to give it a little bit, bit of a Belgian thing, but I uh, used black pepper, and so it's a black pepper porter, so you can really taste the uh, black pepper at the end, so that's something that I would do. John, you know, we've had you on so many times, and everyone in this room is a great guest, but you're in particular one of my favorite guests. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. And we were talking earlier before the show about, you know, brewing versus educator, but I think you've really found your niche as, as, a, as a beer educator. 
What you're doing at Bitters and Esters. You know, I love people. Is it Bitter and Esters or Bitters and Esters? Bitter and Esters, okay. yeah. It's one bitter, two Esters. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I love people. You know, I, I love the community that happens around beer. I'd say, you know, beer is a really a communal thing, and, and, and I haven't had a person ever come in pissed off because they were going to make beer. You know, God damn it, i got to make a beer today. Everyone's always in a good mood, and it's, it's just kind of way, the way life should be, is like having a good time. We've, uh, we've had great things happen, if I may mention. Last time I was here, it was with uh, Marcus from Rockaway Brewing. It was and, like our, uh, our New York City Beer Week preview show, yeah. And after the show, Marcus said, hey, you know, I got a five-barrel fermenter open if you guys want to brew a beer, which is a great thing for homebrewers. Like, whoa. So uh, we have this homebrew club that, that happened because of our store. They're called the Bruminaries. And uh, I said to them, <laughs> I said, hey, Bruminaries, you know, I have this five-barrel fermenter. Let's do a beer. So they did a, a rye pale ale. We all went in, did this rye pale ale with Mosaic and Galaxy, and we called it Rise of the Bruminaries because they're brand new. So that's going to actually be available in about uh, Sounds like weeks. some kind of weird rock and roll band or something. There, yeah, Rise of the Bruminaries. Yep. So that, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's all community-based for us, you know. It's, I'll remind you the first beer we drank was called Hot Pun. <laughs> the rise of the Bruminaries. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> but John, I just want to give you give you a big shout out that you really uh, you are a great beer educator, and you know that there's that's a that's a whole new role, and there's not too many out there. So let's make a toast to uh, John Lapolia. Oh gosh, Bitter, if you're coming yeah. to New York City, so how do people find out about your beer classes? Uh, bitterinesters.com is where they can find out about it. We have beginning and advanced classes. We are always trying to do different events. We just had Michael Tonsmere. Uh, who was the mad fermentationist. He wrote the uh, American Sour Book. He was um, just here on Saturday. He was a great guy. Uh, he's an educator, too, so that was really cool just hanging out with but him. But if someone's coming to New York City, they, they would, one thing they, they might want to go to, everyone wants to go to other half-tasting room. They should. Of course, they want to go to Jimmy's number 43. Now and they, they want to go to the Nomad. And they should. <laughs> but they should sign up for one of your classes. They right? absolutely should sign up for one of our classes. Again, it's online, uh, Bitterness. Our buddy Garen Backer, he's uh, one of our great regular listeners in England, He's coming to New York. and get, Actually, he's going to get married. I'm going to give him a shout-out because he's a great guy. He was caring about Jimmy's number 43, but he's coming to New York to get married in New York City, even though he's from England. And he's the kind of guy that... tasting room? That's awesome. Yeah, right. And he should come over and uh, <laughs> take some of your classes. But. You can just drop by, and uh, I'll, give him, I'll give him some beer. I'll give him some samples. Can, can, you also, can you also schedule a brew day with you? Like, Is it always classes? Or you said you brew on premise. Oh, no, we're like, brew on premise. So, so, yeah, you can hey. definitely schedule a day. It's 15 gallons. Uh, we just had a, a couple... Who brewed forty-five gallons for their wedding? So that's a really neat thing. They yeah, did uh, yeah. three different beers. They made a pilsner, an IPA, and a, uh, a stout. So it was uh, really cool. Good. Right on. And then Alex, I still want to know like some anecdotes and like meat. What happened when you and your staff went to make beer? I mean, it was I, you know. Did you get stuck cleaning equipment for two hours? Or? No, actually, oh no, we, we do got, all the cleaning. <laughs> we we do, do all, all the crappy the, parts. Yeah. I you start show, when I went to your class, <laughs> you yeah, made, you can brew it. I may start brewing there right away. <laughs> no grain out. That's done. Yeah, we do half barrel system. You just have to do it <laughs> every day, times. ten times a day. Yeah, we got to do all the fun stuff. You know, Maggie got there and did all the hard work with John early. I got there like a little bit later, and yeah. then the team showed up, and you know, John taught them all about the raw ingredients and the different styles and what it takes to make different styles and you know at the end i think they walked away with a better understanding of how beer works and what was really really impactful for me and i think for a lot of the team is that they got to be a part of this thing they decided what kind of beer we're going to make they named it they brewed it and then we served it at our holiday party for our staff and we got to drink it and share it with the rest of 500 600 people and say hey we made this it was really cool yeah, uh, I love getting an empty keg back. Yeah, it was pretty. It was cool. very empty. 
All right, well, let's, let's make a toast to you guys. This is a very cool group, and uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, Elknife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. All right. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm wondering, Jack, who is that like kind of, is that called a riff or is that called like a electronic music? It's I don't like know. A, it's like a beat. That was a beat. Okay. Yeah. I like that beat. Is that just your beat or somebody? It's, uh, his name is Rec Tech. Well, I'll tell you, Jack Inslee, any, anytime you want to know about cool music, you check out Jack Inslee, our uh, ultimate engineer. And you're like the executive. Executive producer. Everything for Heritage right. Network. And uh, going way back over five years now, without Jack, there'd be no Heritage Radio Network. Thanks, so cheers man. to Jack Inslee, bro. All right, so we're drinking beer, and we're at that point where we're about to say, hey, where should we go? Should we go with Augie to 11 Madison Park, or should we go with Alex to the Nomad? Is this like a competition or something? It's the same thing. <laughs> you know it's the same group. And, and, and not at all a competition. I think when <laughs> I first started coming up with the reserve menu and our extended beer list of the Nomad, I asked Kirk Kellaway probably five million questions about where we wanted to go. And we definitely planned the Nomad menu to be complimentary of the Love Madison Yeah, Park no, menu. it's like I'm telling you, the, the, it's there's a great symbiosis, and it's a short walk. More, more than once I've, I've felt like I was cheating on EMP bar staff with the Nomad bar staff and quickly ran down across the park. So let's let's, let's get back to there. brass tacks and all that stuff. So, Augie, you're the, you know, Carton Brewing. That's me. And, uh... Like, let's say you have, you want to sell beer at the Nomad. I know you have reps and all these things, but no. So, I mean, I am interested though. How, how a brewery would sell to a fine dining restaurant? Well, for me, it's funny, right? So, if you're gonna, if I was gonna walk into that place, I probably would bring RBDG or talk about making something. The, their menu does a good job of being everywhere, so there's going to be no one beer necessarily that does it, uh, except for maybe the Belgians. Um, so you, mean, like, you, you, would, you would actually talk to them about making like a custom beer. Well, I would talk to any great chef about making a custom beer, but but that's just the way I approach things. But um, but so there, there's kind of two kinds of beer, just like there's two kinds of wine in my, in my brain. There's your cocktails and your food pairing. Um, at the bar, you want a cocktail beer, right? You want a big IPA or a big stout or something pretty that tastes great in a glass and doesn't you know doesn't much care about whether it's with food or not. And that's fun to drink with the guys. But when you sit down in the dining room, you want something that isn't going to run over the food and is going to play along. And what's funnest about the style of, of Chef Hume's menu at Nomad 
is for me, there's always the one thing sticking out in the dish that's his touch on it. It's it's always something born of sense. Um, and then he's done something that makes it his own. Like, your your choices of syrup for the beer you were talking about, the No Matter Ways, to me, it was clearly, clearly Hoom's program, right? Like, you could just smell them all That's over. cool, but how about this? Let's jump. The chicken dish. Okay, Alex, tell us about the chicken dish, and then, Augie, what beer would you make to go with the chicken dish? Let's do something different. Alex, I already made a beer to go what with is the chicken a, dish. What is the chicken dish? Tell um, us again. Because I'm starving. <laughs> whole roasted chicken stuffed with foie gras, truffles, and brioche. And then it's served with smoked lentils, uh, cotequino sausage, and Brussels sprouts. And maybe is there some like broth from that chicken, or is it kind of kind of dry and crisp? Chicken? It's a roast. It's, it's roasted, so there's no broth that goes along with it, but the lentils are That's picked too up. That's too bad. And the <laughs> Lentils are picked like up the and smoked in butter the and chicken stock. Okay, so you got this chicken, and then what beer, or did you, or would well, you I, make? I already made, so we made, you know, this or at Thanksgiving this year, we put two kilos of white truffles into a Belgian triple. And obviously the Belgian triple is rich enough to handle the richness of the truffle. The brioche truffle butter thing that's under the skin of that chicken is is about as rich as you're ever going to get on a chicken dish. And then... Um, so the, the the triple would stand up to that and compliment it. You know, when you're pairing, you're either complimenting or contrasting. But if you didn't have a, a truffle beer, what other beer would you... John, what would that you sounds, make to that go That sounds expensive, uh, yeah. truffle yeah. beer. Let's I'm, say I'm I don't want... If I don't, <laughs> I don't want truffles in my beer, what other beer would go well, with I, a I, truffle? Well, then I'm not drinking yeah. with you. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been vegetarian since 1992. So it's hard for me to tell. Why what, are you telling us that now? I, I, you knew that. You did, made me did I mention the vegetarian bacon? food before? Should we apologize? <laughs> no, no, I don't give a damn. So what would you make with a, what beer with a vegetarian chicken? Uh, with, <laughs> Tof- truffle, yeah. truffle studded tofurkey. I had vegetarian chicken actually last night. It's kind of funny. And I had, uh, I had a saison with it. I had a, a, a Hill Farmstead saison. Okay. Uh, so, Augie, one out. more chance. Next year for the chicken dish at Nomad, without truffles... What what other type of beer would you make? I would still do a Belgian triple. I'd just do take it. the truffles out. Like it, it's a dish about it's a dish about richness. You're never going to get an acidity level in a beer that's tolerable that's going to counter it. So you might as well just embrace it. I would go with something big, rich, sits there. Um, may even intentionally diacetyl it just to put some butter next to to how rich that dish is. But uh, but that would you know. Maybe you herb it with some thyme or something, but I don't, you know, I don't think I'd go for that. What I love about you is you're, you're taking us back to basics and basic styles. And you know what? Belgian triples over the years is always one of my favorite styles. And I my feel team. like with the current state of American craft beer, I feel like I have neglected that. And who wants to talk about that? Because I love no. Belgian triples. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, it's, not, it's not the easiest style to make. I mean, it's a, a matter of time. Really, with triples uh, to get it right, to get the balance right, and uh, it's a it's a fairly easy uh, recipe, right? The, the recipe's uh, pretty easy, but the the actual getting the triple to have the flavor, the balance that you want. Um, oh, can, can you make a Belgian style triple at your brewery? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And what what is it? Is it is there extra time involved? No, it's just, so it depends. So. It's the American thing versus the European thing, right? And it's, again, not to lean on wine metaphor, but it's the same thing, right? When when Americans make a wine, they make this slutty bomb cabernet that smells like cedar and pencil, and it's really easy to love, and it's rich and warm and boozy, and we're in that phase of our, our beer drink making. We want to make these big, impressive, fun, easy-to-love things that show things off, and they're, they're great fun to drink when you're drinking beer. If you're in a series of tastings, each one's bigger than the one before, and you can taste that way. When you're sitting down at a table, you don't want your beer to run over your food, or at least I don't. So that's when you go to the traditional Europeans, because they, they have that kind of integrity and humbleness in their flavors. 
and I find I find they tend to put, you know and and the guys that are great classes Great Lakes makes a bunch of food friendly beers just because that's what they make, um, and you can do it and we do Great do Lakes it. in Ohio, yeah wow they, they make they make all those but um but when, when do you get to try Great Lakes beers all, dude I own a brewery there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing that doesn't walk in my door I'm I'm super lucky like that. It's amazing what I get to drink. I, one of the one of the reasons to open a brewery if you're a geek is the things people just say. Hey, have you had this? You can do that with a, brew, a homebrew shop as well. I was you at get Great a lot Lakes of homebrews too. This winter, really I was out there this winter, yeah. And Alex, uh, talking about Belgian triples, do you have any Belgian triples on the list? Triple Carmelie. yeah, great. The Belgian triple. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we how do we determine which triples we like? I remember when I first opened, we had Chimay on draft, which was the triple, right? And then I tried some of the Shelton Brothers imports, which were. You know, I don't know. I can't remember anymore. Saint Bernardus is my favorite. Yeah, triple. and some some have candied sugar and some don't. But this is a, this is a great. We should have a whole show about Belgian triples because for me it was when people talk about these gateway beers. When I started drinking Belgian triples, I was like, "This is better than crack." Yeah. Well, that, I don't know what Orval categorizes as, but Orval is that, that gateway Orval. drug to all the all the the Belgian flavors, right? You get an Orval and you're like, oh, let's see what else this world. Does. I guess I guess I would consider that a Belgian pale because it's like yeah, the, I think it's it, the gateway. It's the gateway. But that's what I said. It just yeah. opens up all those phenolics for you that that get happy when you start finding them. I think what's one of the things that has struck me recently about Belgian beer is when you look at a Belgian double, where the roasted characteristics of the malt meet with roasted characteristics of beef, duck, pig, the, like the caramelization mm-hmm. matches Vegetables. up completely. Vegetables. <laughs> Sorry. Hard and roasted. Funny. Beef, dog, pig. You know, roasted whatever. hard. <laughs> John, it's okay, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. I eat vegetables, too. You know? Hey, uh, the new Dirt Candy opened up just down the street from me. I oh, really? I can't wait to go. Yeah. Right, I haven't been to Dirt Candy yet. But, but Belgian Triples, definitely. Like, our listeners, check it out. At Beer Underscore Sessions. You know, tweet your favorite uh, Belgian Triple. Or, or you know, like, so American-style triples. So there's, like, I've had Allagash Triple. Which is fantastic. That's great. Yeah. And then but that's on the also West Coast. classic European style right. triple. But you've They're got not. Green Flash doing like La Freak, which is like kind of a IPA triple hybrid. It's very malty. Yeah. It's malty. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that falls into, right into their style of beers. It's, yeah, it's, that's, that's a Green Flash triple. Yeah. But then um, I wonder why, like, Oma Gang, which has, like, their Abbey, which is a double, I don't really think they have a triple style. And I, I, I guess because I'm going back now looking at the, whatever, my history of beer, for me at one time, you know, a good Belgian triple to me represented what the best beer style was in the world. Really? And but I, at I, the time, it probably was, yeah. right? You've been yeah. doing this I mean, a long nine, time. I mean, nine right? years ago, maybe the Belgian triple hmm. was the best beer in the world. Delirium yeah. Tremens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you know as well as I do, but again, so it's funny. Like this, but the discussion we're having right now is food pairing, right? Like, to be completely honest, I tend not to like the Belgian phenolics in beers. Like, in a cocktail, like as a cocktail, as a glass of beer to drink with you guys, they get tired on me quick by the bottom of a glass. But with some food, adding or pulling or or teasing those those phenolics, those aromas, I'm very happy with it. And the discussion is. What do you pair with food? And more often than not, because with Americans, I think you got to know each guy in his footprint. Whereas with the Europeans, you can rely on a style. Not only Belgian no, triples, it, it, Belgian and you're right triples on. and all the Germans. Like, you know that the yeah. Doppelbox is going to be something like this every time you get it. And therefore, even if blind food pairing, it's an easier way to go. I think where I'm going with just is that I'm also suggesting that I've, I've had so many great American beers. But now I'm like, oh, there's a great old European styles. 
and we just I just was with the the brewmaster from Rodenbach recently. Cool. And tasting Flemish Reds. And again, <laughs> right, it's, it's no food pairings. Deal. Let's jump to Flemish Reds. But we've no. done that. You and I have done Rodenbach together. And the thing about Rodenbach is, so for people that want to understand the concept of umami, I don't know of a beer that represents umami better than Rodenbach's. Right? They, they, they just have that that richness feeling, that protein, that, that umami sensation. Makes life good. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, I mean, it's umami, but it also has all of the acid notes that you need to match uh, any, like, vinaigrette or anything like that so for someone like coming from me coming from chef Hoom's cooking it's each dish has like you know it the entrees have a caramelization and then there's an acidic component to it yep. so Rodenbach not only matches the caramelization in meat or vegetable <laughs> that's okay but the acid <laughs> hits all of the pickled components too so it's working on every single level as a complementary pairing on the note of vegetarian, uh, the other night I was at a, a dinner with a friend who's really a great, great cook, and she had this cauliflower kind of baked dish, but the, the key ingredient was the bacon fat. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's another thing, but it, this has been a great show. We talked about a lot of things, but I, I do think that I love the American craft breweries, and I think that let's start going back to some of these classic European styles as well. They're the ones that really made beer. There's, there's so many great beer, styles yeah. of beer. And, and, and do you teach a specific style classes at Bitter and Esther's? That's a good idea, Jimmy. I should do you that. You don't now, do that? so many styles. What are, your, uh, we what teach are your how classes, to make beer. man? Just they're beer one-on-one? On one? Uh, it's like white people beer make beer? Making. Come on. Uh, just all the different ingredients and how to use them. You know, It's up to you. What The yeah. styles are what we say are styles. So... Um, I, I, I would lay People down a different make- challenge. I would challenge all Americans to keep creating and keep trying to make right. bigger, better things. And I would challenge our, all our importers to just get us better, fresher examples of what Europe has to offer. They're great at what they do. They don't need us copying them. They need us doing what we do, which is pushing boundaries and figuring out new stuff. When a guy comes to me and asks me, how do I brew? What do I read? I give him Colicchio's Think Like a Chef. Because I think the introduction to that book starts you on what your job is to think about flavors and what they mean to you and how to organize them the way you wish they were. And that's the job of an American brewer, organizing these tools as those flavors to end up where you want your beer to be. It's not to recreate something somebody did 500 years ago because the king didn't want them to have wheat. <laughs> have you had any of the Moody Tongue beers? No. Uh, I'm, I'd just be curious to see what your take on them would be. Where, where, where is that from? Dude? Moody Tongue is made by Jared Rubin coming out of Chicago, um, and he's worked in kitchens all over the place, uh, more notably per se. But he, he was a cook, and he's approaching beer making from that specific uh, focus, and he makes some really interesting stuff. Alex, last question. How does someone get to be a server at the Nomad? Send me an email. No, that's it, really. I mean, are you always looking for people? What, what, what background do they need to have? I think, I mean, you know, we're, we're always looking for people, and we take the same uh, approach to hiring as 11 Madison Park. So if you work in the industry and you want to learn more and you want to learn a new system, you start as a food runner and see what we're all about. And we're always looking for good people. So I would bet you it's a very hard job. Just me. You know, it's it's hard. You got to deal with people of... like me and Jimmy after this. <laughs> We're talking about it. But again, still, I, I'm, I'm going to push you guys. I, I expect more from your beer program. So let's let's work on it. And I, I bet uh, if there's two brewers that you haven't worked with yet on a custom Nomad beer, who would they be? Putting you on the spot, Augie. Nice and um, Firestone. All right, cool, good stuff. Yeah, they're good. Hey, in closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Augie, John. And Alex, for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer impresario, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. 
for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.